So if you've been with us a little while, well, we started the fall going through the book of Galatians. We call the series Freedom. And then we took a, we're taking a three-week, this is the third of three weeks where we've talked about living generously. They, they kind of fit together to us because Galatians is basically about God's generosity. We use the word grace, God's lavish generosity on us as he gives us his grace. And uh, we thought it'd be really appropriate for us to talk real practically practically for a little bit about us at Radius, us living generously out of our own lives. And what does that, what does that look like? It's been a joy for me in the last couple of weeks. I've had so many conversations with different folks from Radius um, just processing this subject. I had multiple ones last week where last week we talked about three servants. If, if, if you want, uh, you can go back and listen to it, but, but uh, two servants doubled what their uh, the, the master had asked them to do, and one buried it. And, and several guys that are just really solid dudes just asking questions about, am I the third servant? Matter of fact, I, as I read it, I could not help but see myself in that slot at times, and probably good for all of us to evaluate that. Not just with our stuff, right, because we're talking about living generously, but with our time, with our life. Like, is it, is it doubling, or am I... Am I becoming more and more risk-averse so that there's, there's not this open-handed way of living. Instead, I've started to kind of begin to want to hold on to my stuff, right? If you've been with us a few weeks, we, we've been using this open-hand, closed-hand kind of uh, body language because when you open your hands up, you know, you remember playing that game when you're a kid and you'd hold your hand and you put the penny in there and you, you, you know, you try to, you try to steal something from it or the slap, like, like you're just more exposed when your hands up. When it's closed, it's closed. And to try to pry somebody's hand open is something else. And so for two weeks, we've been trying to pry your hands open a little bit. We've been trying to get at least one finger down. Some of y'all got one down. Let's get two. And you can feel your hand get weaker. As you, as you roll fingers back and more open to what else might happen with your stuff, particularly because we've been talking about living generously, but more importantly, Jesus is always talking about your life when he's talking about your stuff. He wants your life. He don't need your money. Right? Jesus doesn't need your money. The God of the universe that created us, he don't need anything you have, but he wants you, and he knows that you are connected to your stuff. So we've been using this little phrase, if you haven't been with us, uh, we've been talking about trying to turn our stuff into stories. I'll say it four or five times again today. I thought the other day um, that, that basically the Gospels, um, they present this kind of like kingdom calculator. You know, when you're going to buy the house and you put in your down payment and then you put in the interest rate, most of us always get the interest rate too low because we want to spend more money, right? Like, and then you kind of come down and at the bottom, it tells you what your monthly payment is or how much you need. It's, it's, it's your mortgage calculator. They do it for cars. Some of y'all do this stuff on social media where you punch in, you answer like six questions and it tells you whether you're an otter or, a, you know, like whatever. And then they do it with, the, you know, with celebrities and, and people, you know, like I'm Marilyn Monroe. I'm like, really? That's, that's interesting. Like, I wonder what the possibilities were. Was, it, was there anybody like, you know, not attractive and wonderful on the list? Like, what, what, like is, is that even a possibility? Because I don't think we take the test otherwise. There's all these calculators. And when you read the Gospels, it, it, it really gives you, from Jesus' teaching, a kingdom calculator. How you doing in the kingdom? And so we thought we'd take a little more time today and read a little bit more that Jesus 
taught. And this he teaches really directly, not in story form. He just tells it like it is, which is kind of how I like to be. So uh, hopefully these verses from Matthew chapter 6 will teach us all. By the way, stewardship and generosity are not the same, okay? They're related because we think of our stuff when we say stewardship and generosity. If I want to teach stewardship, what book of the Bible would I use? Also, Christian folks, the rest of the world doesn't know what stewardship is, right? That's that's, that's a word we like to use in the church. Like, they know financial planners. And if I was going to teach financial planning, what what, what book would I use? Proverbs. It's a book full of wisdom. And, matter of fact, if you listen to any of the guys, that's that's the primary book they use, Proverbs. But if I want to teach generosity, I'm going to go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus connects our stuff to our heart. And so he's constantly talking about us being generous with our stuff because he wants us to be generous because he wants our best. It's the healthiest way to live. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. I'll read a few verses. If you haven't been here before, I'll read a little bit and then talk a little bit, read a little bit, talk a little bit. Jesus says this. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Very direct statement. Anybody know (laughs) this amazing fact I learned this week? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands who has a storage unit. I'll just tell you the stat. The stat is that one in three of us in this room have a storage unit. One in three Americans have a storage unit. You believe that? I don't have one. But I have an attic, and I have a basement, and I didn't even make the stats. Right? Like I, yesterday, I'm in the basement because we had people coming over, which meant I was on, like, red alert in clean mode, right? Not by choice, I promise you, but, like, I'm cleaning the basement. I found three fishing rods. I ain't fished in 40 years. <laughs> Literally, since I was a boy, I don't even know where they came from. They're in the back of my suburban. They're going to Goodwill this week, right? Like, like where does all this stuff come from? They're, they're nasty Old fishing rods, and I imagine if you got in your attic, even if you don't have a storage uh, container somewhere, you, you know what I'm talking about. When, when he says don't store up, up treasures here on earth, is that what he's talking about? Like, does one-third of the room today need to go cancel their payment on the storage unit? It makes for good TV. There's multiple shows that kind of go through units like, and see what kind of garbage we have. Uh, that's not what he's saying. But he is getting to something because if that really made you nervous about getting rid of your storage unit, you probably ought to pay attention to how that feels. All of us feel it at one level or another. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust can't destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Remember our little phrase? Turning stuff into stories. Saw Matt Wells over here. His daughter won a state championship in swimming this week. Unbelievable. Matt Wells, just, you didn't know I knew that, did you? Just, just like that. Nobody knows where you are. I'm just pointing in a general area, right? right. <laughs> uh, 100 butterfly? I seriously can't swim the length of a pool. No, no, no less fast. But Matt knows my old red truck. You remember my red, red Ranger? So, so when he's telling turn your stuff into stories, he's not just talking about giving it away. He's talking about how you view your stuff. So I had this Red Ranger I bought for $1,000. It's a wonderful truck. I bought a little trailer. I ran a landscape company. Very first church plan I did, I ran a landscaping company to pay the bills. My red truck was like my bread and butter. 
I was in Pendleton, South Carolina, and it broke down. I could not get it start, and I, I, not being very mechanical, decided to pull the spark plugs out just to see what was going on. There was oil in the well where the spark plug is. So for those of y'all mechanical, I see you over there. Like, like you know, this is bad, right? This truck is never going to run again. You got thousand dollars in it. What are you gonna do? I prayed. I was desperate. I did, had no other way. I, I, I couldn't pay to fix it. I couldn't figure out how to pay to fix it. You'll laugh at me. I was, what, we were 27. I put both hands on the hood, and I prayed for my little red truck. And I ain't going to lie, this true story. The truck ran, and it ran for years. And I ran that little business, and we planted that little church, and the church produced fruit. And I, I don't think trucks are in heaven, but there is one. It's my red truck, right? <laughs> So like, it was, it, was, it, was, it was amazing. It's a story for me. I'm telling it to you because um, I interacted with something very physical in a spiritual way. It's all I could do. I couldn't fix it. Like today, if the, something breaks, I take it down to White and Automotive and they fix it, right? Because like, I, can, I can do that. But in that moment, I could not. And I have this spiritual story interacting with some of my stuff. You got some of that? It can be giving it away. Lots of good stories and giving it away. But there's a, a lot of good stories in just how we view it and deal with it and think about it and how much it consumes our mind and where do we go when the pressure comes with our stuff. So he says, store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust and, and cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. I guarantee my Ford Ra- Ranger is not running anymore. It's in some junkyard, probably compacted into a little tiny piece of metal. It did not make it. But the story did. And a whole lot of people went to that little church that paid the bills. That was the, the early bills were paid before by that Red Ranger. Verse 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Very direct statement. I want to read that NIV. I like the way it reads a little better. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what's the natural question for everybody in the room? Where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? Tony Evans puts it really bluntly. Your heart will follow your treasure. So wherever your treasure is, there's your heart. We, uh, last week, if you missed it, it was probably a good Sunday to miss because we talked about tracking where our money's going. For those of us that are not spreadsheet-oriented like myself, it's just a pain to write it down, right? Like much less figure out where it's going. But it's, just, it's really good to see where my treasure is. Because my heart's right there. It's an evaluation of myself. So oftentimes, I think when churches talk about money, it makes everybody nervous because they feel like it's going to be this manipulation deal. And I'm not even sweating. Usually dudes are sweating when they talk about money. It's not how Jesus talks about money. He's worried about you. He's worried about your heart. He's worried about your position with him. Verse 22, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep the darkness is. That is a crazy line, one that all of us ought to take seriously. Like if we think we're in the light, but it's actually darkness, how deep the darkness is. Anybody watching uh, Rings of Power? 
This is on Amazon. It's good. I'm not one of them sci-fi dudes. I I need it to seem more real than that usually, but I like it. There's a the bad guy in the movie. I I looked up the pronunciation. It's Adar, but you're supposed to roll the R, and I can't. So it's 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 Adar. He's an elf. I know some of you are like, "What are we talking about?" He's a fallen elf. And he leads the orcs, and he comes out into the sun in the last episode that we watched. That's how far we are. He comes out into the sun, and the orc, I know, I'm sorry, like starts burning in the sun, and the elf is actually like enjoying the sun. He makes this crazy statement. I wish I could quote him directly, but, but he's choosing to go back in the darkness even though he knows how good it is to be in the light. So he's doing it by choice. He's choosing to go into darkness. He's allowing his eyes to to move to the darkness. But a lot of us, I actually believe we're in the light when we're in the darkness. And that is a massive trap. I don't know what you uh, pray for your kids when they go to school. Those of y'all that have kids. But one of our prayers in the morning over them, in the car, often, sometimes at breakfast, we pray that they'd have eyes to see. You're, you know, you're worried about what your kid's going to get exposed to, what, what he's, he or she is going to hear. What are they, how are they going to process it? And I'm, I'm hoping and I'm praying for our students, they have, they have eyes to see. They'll be able to navigate this world through the lens that God offers. No one can serve two masters, for you hate the one and you love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's pretty straightforward. I like it like that. I don't know how y'all like it. You may hate it. I like it straight. Like, don't beat around the bush. It was hard for me to grow up in the South. People talk all the way around the neighborhood before they say what they're going to say. Married a Midwesterner, it's pretty straightforward at my house, right? Like, no one can serve two masters. If you hate one and love the other, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. I love what the NLT does there. They say you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Most translations will use just the same word. You cannot serve God and serve money. They kind of emphasize that money is a, is a harsh master. You serve God, but you're enslaved to money. When it says money, uh, it's, it's just an Aramaic word that means wealth. Uh, a lot of commentators believe that this story was told particularly for the Pharisees to hear would have been the most educated, most wealthy people in the region. We're the most educated, most wealthy people in the world. Americans. So, so certainly applies to us. What's interesting about the Pharisees is that they did tithe. Right? It's a word some of y'all have heard. It sounds like this scary word. It might be the scariest word at church, right? Like, when's a pastor going to say tithe? And some of y'all are like, you're brand new to church. Like, what the heck does tithe even mean? I've heard that. I've even seen it on signs. What kind of church puts tithe on the sign? Like, like, like it's, it means 10%. It means 10%. But it's, it's been abused through the years. So the Pharisees gave three tithes. They gave uh, two tithes annually. And they gave a third tithe every three years. So some of you mathematicians, that's 23.333%. That's what they did. So they gave three tithes, and yet they loved their money. So this isn't about giving a tithe, right? Evidently, you can do that and be destroyed by your stuff, because he's talking to the Pharisees who did exactly that. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, Jesus talks about tithe only a couple times, and he always talks about it in the negative or in the neutral. He never promotes it. It's, it's more of an Old Testament concept in my mind. Um, 
in, in the way I read the scriptures. But uh, no matter how much or what you do with your stuff, like, like it still can steal your soul. Andy Stanley says it like this, Jesus viewed money as the chief competitor for our hearts. Anybody agree with that? The chief competitor? So the question is, do you have money or does money have you? Are you consumed with consumption? Right? Like is that just on your mind? All the time. It eats up all of your time. You're always thinking about what's next. And so the very next line is very appropriate, and it's really good for us and our world to hear. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. There's the word worry. Like he's talking about this stuff that fills our mind all the time, and then he says, that's why I tell you not to worry. Because what do we worry about? I went to Moe's yesterday. For supper. Cheryl went out with some friends yesterday, and so I went to Moe's for supper because Zoe's is closed. <laughs> Moe's has a porch. They got a bowl there, and I like, like, this is stupid. Like, I, 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 I've been eating my whole life. I, I thought the whole way over there about what I wanted on my, in my Moe's bowl. Anybody else do this? I hope, I hope they give me just the right amount of jalapenos because that, that's what makes it. That's what makes the bowl, right? And then when you get up there, it's 12 bucks for a daggum bowl and, and a sweet tea, and you pay the 12 bucks. You're like, I'm paying 12 bucks for a, a bowl with some chicken in it? Like, you, you got all of this stuff going through your mind about, like, like about my resources. It took all that time to spend $12. After that, I went to Kohl's because I thought I'd buy a new shirt just to have a funny story for y'all. And I got there, it was $44. I couldn't do it. So the whole time I'm walking through Coles, I'm looking, I'm like, I'll bring a $44 shirt home to Cheryl Reese. It's going to be a long night. So I, 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 I decided not to bring home the $44 shirt. Like, we got all this stuff because we have so much stuff. We're thinking about it all the time. I think when we think worry, we always think like, like we're afraid. It dominates our mind, even if we have the stuff. And so he says, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than its clothing? For some of us, it's not like that. For some of y'all, you're super disciplined and you set aside money for a lifetime. But even that money, that money that provides some sort of pseudo security, it, uh, it can steal your soul, right? You can look at it every night and you can feel safe in what you've set aside in your discipline instead of in Jesus. It could get you so many different ways. I think that's why Stanley says so rightly, Jesus viewed money as the chief competitor for your hearts. It chases after us in all different ways and tries to take us out of the line of sight of our Savior and God the Creator. He says, to, to tell us a story, he says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I thought when I read that, God does love the whales. Right? Like, like he loves the birds. He loves the whales. But he loves the babies more. Infinitely more. It's actually 
says it right there in the passage. Like if he, if he loves the birds, if he takes care and cares for the birds and the whales, then, then he certainly cares for you more. Did you know that? Like I read that, I thought, man, most Americans don't know how valuable they are to God. This really doesn't line up with what I'm trying to say today, but man, if you don't know that, that's why we do this every week. Those of us that know God realize that Christ's broken body and his blood shed demonstrates our value to him. He loves us. He gave his son's life for us. You have great value. I love the line. It gives me peace. I wanted to give you peace. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory uh, was not dressed as beautiful as as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? I don't know. I don't know what it is for you, but I keep imagining as Jesus says this, and why don't you worry about your clothing? High school girls in the room, I apologize. I picture one of y'all being right in front of him, and he leans over and maybe tugs on. How much, how much I'm going to get a blouse for these days if I'm a high school girl? How much, you, how much we, if we go to the boutique, because I, I, we talked about the boutique last week, and Kim Lyle's been making fun of how I say that all week, so I'm just going to say it more, Kim. Like, if we go, what am I spending on a blouse? Nobody willing to answer this question? Okay. So we buy a black. I, I just imagine Jesus chuckling, like, like, and there's a high school girl over there, and he looks over here at the high school guy, and he's got on these basketball shoes that I know what they cost. Like over $200, whether he can play or not, right? Like, like some dudes are wearing them, like, bro, man, he shouldn't be wearing them. Now you're never going to get nothing out of them. But anyway, like there's, there's and he's chuckling because that stage of life, those things mean a ton. All of us did, and we can laugh now, but you know who you were then. Like, they mean a ton. He's just, he's just going, you know, like, that isn't who you are. I value you, the person inside of these clothes. They don't add any value. I got that. And that doesn't go away, by the way, right? Like, whether it's the latest phone, which seems to apply to all generations, whether uh, it's a truck house. I don't know about y'all, but I, I can be proud of a beater. I don't know why. Like, I, I'll just get proud of the one I got. Whichever one I got is the best one. And it, it consumes me. Like, I'm proud that I'm saving money by driving a beater. Somebody else is proud of driving something that, uh, that it has a lot of value, and, and neither one of us are getting it. He ends this with this wonderful line. Jesus uses it throughout the Gospels. Why do you have so little faith? Oftentimes with disciples, that's a very patient rebuke, and he'll rebuke us today. All of us should just look in the mirror and ask a question about our faith. With the Pharisees, it wasn't so patient. It was angry and frustrated. You know so much, you have so much, and yet you really don't depend on me. 
I can imagine the Pharisee in the back really dressed to the hilt, and Jesus is going down this road. and He's trying to get to his heart because he loves him, even though he frustrates him. So don't worry about these things. Jesus says, what will you eat? What will you drink? What will you wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. If you're a Christian in the room, that should bother you. If you're not, like if you haven't met Jesus, you're just here trying to check us out. This is, this is a good, like you can just go, hey, this doesn't apply to me. I can do what I want. Good, I appreciate y'all. We talk about it. You want to talk about it, we'll talk about it. But if you're a Christian, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And, you know, if there's no creator, why not chase after what would either bring me security or pleasure? <clears throat> but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. And then a very, very famous verse that we'll just take a couple minutes in. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need. It's a really terrific verse. Most of us learned it in a different translation of this. If you learn the King James, it's seek ye first the kingdom of God, right? So he's, he's proposing a solution. How do you combat the fear or the want? How do I stop this thing that is never ending based on 55 years of life? It just keeps coming. What's interesting is the longer I live, when, when you make money first, you eventually end up last, right? Because you cannot overcome your appetites. So when money is first and, and you continue to gain money and you're able to afford the appetites, then eventually the appetites get away and they destroy you. I talked to a guy who uh, does a lot of pretty difficult labor. He has, has a bunch of guys that are addicted to meth on his crew. And uh, he, was telling me, he was telling me this weekend, I got to keep them until they got to use on their lunch break because he can't get enough workers. But he's like, when they start losing on, the, on their lunch break, then their appetites got them and then they just can't work anymore. It destroys them. But they're actually functioning on the workforce while being semi-owned by a drug, and then soon it eventually gets you. Now, that's extreme, but we got, we got these other appetites, you and me. And if we put ourselves first, then our appetites eventually steal our soul. It keeps chasing and chasing, and when you plug your numbers into the kingdom calculator, it'll come out real good. What's Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus presents an other's first kingdom. The kingdom calculator, when you're punching in your numbers, one of the questions is, are you about others first or are you about you first? That's one of the ways you differentiate whether you're wealthy in the kingdom. It's a story I heard uh, this week. It's, it's in the Bible. I've heard it before, but I, never, I read it again this week. I never noticed that Zebedee's wife goes to Jesus, so Zebedee's wife is James and John's mother. Never name her. Um, goes, goes to Jesus, and he, she asks him if little Jimmy and little Johnny could start at shortstop and pitcher, right? No, that's not what she did. I know some of y'all have done that. Now, she, she, she says, could they be first in the kingdom? 
Like she want, I know, Jesus, you're number one, but could Jimmy and Johnny, could they be one and two? Could they, could, I mean, could they be two and three in the kingdom? Like, like so mamas, y'all hadn't changed in a long time. Like, right, you, you want your kids to be able to get stuff. She goes to Jesus. I'm sure it's innocent. Uh, Mrs., Mrs. Ebony, she comes to Jesus. She's like, could you put Jack? And, and so the other disciples hear about this, and they get a little annoyed because they want to be second and third, not because it's the wrong thing to ask, because they want to be second and third. So there's this conversation about who's going to be great in the kingdom, and they completely missed it, right? Because that's not how the kingdom calculator works. What's Jesus say? Anybody remember what his response is? It's, what's he say? You must serve. serve. Kingdom calculator comes down to who serves. Who be a servant of all? And then what's Jesus do in that same text? He washes their feet. Imagine that. The king of glory, 12 guys possibly in their 20s. Do you know what 20-something's feet smell like? I do. (laughs) got a bunch of them at my house. One of them, I'd be risking my life to wash his feet. We won't name him. Now, Cheryl just gave me the, this, this signal. Uh, Jesus washes their feet, and you talk about being a servant. He's serving them, making their feet clean, and then what does Jesus do the next day? Goes to the cross. The ultimate act of servitude. He shows you how the kingdom calculator works. The kingdom is full of people that make others first. So when we talk about resource, it's just not super complicated. Do your resources, do they show that you're an others first follower of Christ? Uh, I love what Andy Stanley did. He, He walks us through how we operate, live, save, spend, and he asked us to reverse it and, what did I say, live, I said that wrong. He says, uh, spend, save, give, we do things in that order. And then he reverses it and he goes, hey, what if, what if we gave and then we saved and then we spent? What, what if we just reverse that whole thing? And what, what would it be like? And what made me passionate, why I wanted to do these three weeks is because I just believe that if you can make that reverse with your stuff, you have a deeper, more fulfilling life. It's, like, it's, it's kind of proven through the people that I've talked through through the years. Those are the most fulfilled folks, the folks that leverage their stuff for the kingdom first. Doesn't mean they don't have stuff. It's just they're very disciplined to make sure some of their stuff turns into stories. He uses the word seek, which means to attempt to find. Sometimes for those of y'all that may not have met Jesus yet, you might be a seeker. You're trying to figure out if Jesus is God. You might be here for that very reason. Kind of watch us and see if that's true. We'd call you a seeker because you're, you're, trying to, you're attempting to find. He says to me and you, if you're a believer, to seek what? First. So it's supposed to be our priority. It's supposed to be the first thing on our list. So I would assume with our stuff, that would be true also. So I want to I give you a two-month challenge. Last week, if you were here, all the spreadsheet people were so excited. One of the, one, the husband or the wife looked at the other one and were like, this is the best sermon ever. <laughs> like, we're going home, and you're going to have to help me with the spreadsheet. Couples of a few of us, like my wife and I, neither one of us are spreadsheet people, so it was a terrible sermon for the whole family, right? Because 
We got to go home and track, try to figure out how to put all that in. This, this week, I want to give you another challenge. I want you to think about taking a percentage of your income for two months. You pick it. I'm not picking it for you, right? I already told you. Like, like 10% is, is a great idea, and it's an Old Testament biblical idea. You want to choose that? Fine. If you pick 2%, fine. Don't pick a half percent. That's a lot of math. Like pick, pick, pick a percent and send it somewhere. Send it there right when you get your check. Some of us are hourly, so you get your check, maybe bi-weekly. Some of y'all get it monthly. But like when you get it, send it somewhere. Like this, this isn't a fundraiser for Radius. That's not what we're trying to do here. Now, we try to spend our money well here at Radius. You want to send it here, we're happy to take it. We'll put it to work. But there's Mission, Mission Lexington right down the road. You want to take 2% and send it to Mission Lexington and send it to them. They, they would love that. You pick where it goes but take that percentage like right off the top, something that you're grateful for, something that breaks your heart. Remember that first time we talked? Take that percentage and send it that direction. Some of you are like, I knew this was coming. What, what in the world? Yeah. Jesus is trying to save our butts. He's trying to get our attention so that our stuff doesn't steal our soul. He ain't trying to raise money. Jesus never asked for money. He ain't need money. I'm certainly not trying to raise any. It's this, it's this question about whether my stuff owns me. Here's the, here's the deal. Whatever your percentage is, 2%, 3%, whatever your percentage is, when you write the check, some of y'all don't even know what a check is. I'm sorry. Like, like when, when you punch it into your phone, <laughs> see, you can use the phone, figure out what the percentage is, send it, and, and then pay attention to the tension in your, in your soul. You know, like when it goes, what are you thinking about you just lost? I mean, this is just a really healthy study of self, whatever the percentage is. Like, pay attention to what's going on inside. You're going to feel attention, and that's a good thing. It'll expose something. Look at it. Look at it hard. Look at what is that that I care so much about that, that scares me when I do this? Is it security? Is it a blouse at the boutique, Right? It, what is it that I'm afraid I'm going to lose? And listen to the excuses that kind of stack and examine your heart. It's a two-month experiment. Depending on the percentage, it's going to cost you a little money. But well, in the end, it's going to tell you who's the master of your life. I'll read you the verse one more time. No one can serve two masters. For you hate one and you love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Jesus, we thank you for so much stuff that we have. Thank you for uh, all that you provided for us from, from food to shelter to all kind of trinkets that we got. We do not want them to steal our souls. Jesus, as your servants, we're sorry for how they dominate our mind at times. Rescue us from that. Pray even as we think about coming up and taking this bread and juice that you would. Oh, I know this subject makes people tense. That you'd help them relax for a minute. And that you uh, personally Holy Spirit would deal with each of us and we'd be able to see ourselves 
as you see us, that our eyes would be opened, that we'd see our stuff like you see it. And then, Lord, pray that you, uh, with your spirit, would give us courage to take a step one way or another with that communication with you. Love it that oftentimes here at Radius we have folks in there just exploring, trying to figure out who you are, Jesus. As they watch us come take this bread and juice, I pray that you'd explain to them the gospel. Jesus, that you were willing to go to the cross and uh, establish a kingdom of giving up your life for others as opposed to taking. We trust you with this this meal, and we trust you with these songs. We love you, Jesus. Amen.